Hi, and welcome back to Time Limit. This week's episode is all about the project management career path. There are so many routes a PM can take today, from PMO to operations director, consultant, and even a podcast host like me. Who knew? So for this topic, I wanted to bring on a guest who took a less traditional route in their career, but really stuck with management in the end. So I called on my good friend, Sam Barnes, who's going to share his path from being unsure about where his career was going to jumping into digital as a developer and eventually landing in project management. Sam's currently a development manager for Marks and Spencer in London, and he's been a key figure in the digital project management community with fun and relatable blog posts, book contributions, keynotes, and so much more. I hope you enjoy the conversation as we talk about the path to PM, the paths that many take or can take, the qualities of successful project management, and how those qualities can help you to find a career path of your own. Check it out. This week, I'm happy to welcome Sam Barnes to Time Limit. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hello. Good, thanks. Yourself? Good, good. Sam, I think before we get started, it would probably make sense for us to mention the fact that We've become friends through our work in digital project management. Across the the Rubicon. (laughs) I mean, so you've been really invested along with me in the digital PM community, um, starting with a really great blog, speaking at some conferences and on podcasts, among other things. Um, I also know that you've had a really interesting career path, um, so you're really well-suited to join Time Limit and talk to us today about your career path, about project management, and kind of where that's taken you. Sure. So you've been a digital PM in the past, but you now work at Marks & Spencer in London. Can you tell us a little bit about your career path and what you're doing now? Sure. So it's kind, I mean, from my experience, it's kind of a strange one. So an unusual story. Um, so initially I sort of, and it goes right back to school as in, so I was at grammar school and did my GCSEs is what we do in England at, at the age of sort of, um, 15, 16. Um, the next step was, uh, I went to graphic design college. So all, all throughout my childhood, really, I'd enjoyed, um, creative things and it just seemed natural that that was a next logical path for me to, to sort of go into that area. Um, I went to graphic design, uh, school, I got in and I was absolutely shocked that I didn't enjoy it. Um, really didn't like it. It was it was not kind of what I expected it to be. So I was I, I found out through that, that I was much more into your sort of um, I guess you could call it layout versus drawing. You know, it was much more graphic design that I thought as opposed to the the art the art side of it. But I understood why it all was important. The upshot of that was that I uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I left college um, and essentially went into a lot of uh, manual labor jobs. So I worked in a supermarket full time. I worked servicing construction equipment. Uh, I did a, I did quite a lot of those things, you know, kind of those kind of jobs. And they're really hard jobs. But when things really changed for me, and I'm talking when I was probably in my early 20s at this point, uh, I managed to log onto the, the web one day uh, using a homemade modem cable, believe it or not. And <laughs> we didn't have a modem cable. We had a modem cable with two of the same ends and a phone cable with two of the same ends. And I splice them without any instruction there's some we suddenly got the modem noise and that was it that that was very much a big change for me so the minute i got on the web um i i don't i don't know if others have the same experience but i just i just knew i was well i didn't know i wanted to do it as a career but i was fascinated it was the first thing that that you know that wasn't video games or something like that that i was fascinated with um i just wanted to know how it all worked I mean, I kind of, you know, stayed in those jobs, but eventually I realized that I really, really wanted to do this. So I, I did, um, 
I did a thing where I quit uh, all those jobs. I went back to live with my parents, which I was both very lucky to do. But also, as a, in your twenties, that's also not an easy thing to do. <laughs> I think anyone would agree. Um, but I did. I did an IT degree uh, at my local college, so not like going away to a campus. It literally was a ten-minute drive from my house, you know. So it wasn't the best, but it, it was there. It was available. Uh, and when I did that degree, I absolutely loved it. And what I realised when doing it was that. If I'd have done so, I, I was obviously doing it a lot later than, than most people. Most people do it straight after to, straight after school or college, uh, college in the English sense. Um, and I, I, I really, I absolutely loved it. And I learned that if I'd have done it at that younger age, actually, I don't think I'd have done very well. Hmm. I, if I'm honest, I don't think I was mature enough. Uh, so I, I, but for those three years, um, I. I loved it. I, you know, I enjoyed the homework. I enjoyed the coding. So the actual degree was, it was called um, web and e-business computing uh, at the time. And it essentially mixed up, uh, all, you know, everything from a bit of Java programming right through to uh, uh, business uh, topics. So what they, I guess what they were trying to do was give you a decent foundation uh, to go into a technology field in whatever role you wanted to, which is, to be fair to them, is what they pitched it as. I think like most people, I thought that going to college meant I'd come out an expert in something. And actually, on day one, I remember them saying, you won't come out an expert, but you will have a foundation in many areas, and then you can maybe specialize. So they were, they were correct about that. But anyway, so I did that for three years, loved it, you know, did really well, um, thinking that I would leave there with my with my good grade and get a job pretty much instantly in a cool, funky digital agency. And that was my career sorted. Um, it actually took me 68 job applications before wow. getting my first job in an agency. Yeah, it was... It, uh, it was, you know, it was a big shock. I mean, I had a really good grade, and I thought that would be a differentiator, and it, uh, apparently not. Um, in fact, the first job I got wasn't even like a permanent job. Uh, I went to interview for a small agency as a, um, at the time, sort of a HTML coder, um, and they turned me down initially. And then I got a call later that day saying, "Would I be interested in doing a small contract?" And I went there for three months. I mean, I didn't know what a contract was at that point. I had no clue. So I went, I went there for three months. And then at the end of that, they, they offered me a permanent role. And that was the beginning of that. So I sat down at this agency. And my job essentially was a website editor. So it was it was CMS work. It was content management system work, which which utilized a little bit of HTML to make things look a certain way. But really, that was it. It was, it was content. It was HTML. It was working for uh, Nokia. So we were an agency that was um, supplying Nokia back in the day when they were uh, pretty much the world's most popular phone company. And um, it was it was updating their UK and Ireland websites with all the products and stuff. It was it was great. I couldn't believe I was doing a job. I felt so lucky. Um, I often tell people I've still got, I think on the first day, um, because I didn't know anything and they needed you know, to get me doing stuff, they asked if I could use Photoshop. And they asked me to create a Call of Duty banner for I think it was the Nokia Engage at the time, and I've still got that banner that looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all the all the default bevels on. It's got everything you'd imagine, but I kept it because I remember finishing it, sending it off, and I just could not believe that I was being paid to do this. You know, this is the kind of thing I was doing for fun. Uh, after my day jobs yeah and now i was doing it so i was i was so happy and so grateful and i, I think that that runs through my entire career but I, I was at this company for about three and a half years but i think after about a year and a half i think i for whatever reason it was quite a small agency so i kind of felt like i'd gone you know i knew the job the actual job that i was doing the cms um, with the html it was it's it, it stopped becoming challenging i didn't 
I didn't kind of think that consciously. This is no longer challenging, but I really wanted to learn more. And I, I, I was under the mistake, mistake, especially at small companies where people think they're going to get trained, you know, from, from junior to senior all the way with, with tutorials. I think as most people find out, a lot of it is down to yourself, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to elevate yourself and progress yourself and hope that work supports you in that. I want, I, I mean, I, I initially wanted to get into backend development. That was, you know, when I was at uh, college, it was that was what I enjoyed. But I really struggled with it. Uh, what what I found was when I went when I moved working on the front end, it it just ticked all the boxes for me. I enjoyed it. I got it. I seemed to be okay at it. Um, so I I essentially taught myself that. Like my my parents thought I was pretty pretty crazy uh, we're getting from work uh have some dinner go straight to the <laughs> not many people laugh now straight to the computer room which you know which i'm sure <laughs> people of a certain age remember in the house yeah uh and i would i would just teach myself front-end development um uh, i did that i got myself into a position where uh work kind of would be willing to let me do that and eventually i stopped just doing the website and the cms stuff and then i was the agency's front-end developer and so on and so on so it sounds Where like you've we... you've had a lot of kind of different roles and interests, kind of, but all within the digital realm, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, the, the the best thing for me, without planning it, pure luck, was getting into a small digital agency first. I'm not saying it's the only way, but mm-hmm. looking back at my career to date, it was working at small agencies that that I was just so valuable, more valuable than I think I could ever imagine, and more valuable than you can you can sort of pitch to someone when you're telling them to do it. The reason is because there I was joining a you know an agency technically as a complete rookie, complete junior. Sure, I've taught myself taught myself a little bit of um, front end development, and I'm able to do that in my day job now. And, and again, that that kept me happy for a couple of years. Again, I was so for, I felt so happy to be doing that. It was just unbelievable. Um, but then this is where my DPM career kind of started and as as me and you have discussed many times i think many people of of our generation will experience you don't you don't you know decide one day you're going to do it it's not something that i decided to do i remember when we did that first workshop in london back in 2013 i think it was Mm -hmm. uh we had 100 dpms in front of us and we asked them who here decided to become a project manager because one person had asked that question Uh, rather than answer it we asked them and and we you know i think it was uh, two people out of a hundred, put the hands up if you remember, and it was like yeah. it was one of those moments where I realised that this is not an unusual story. So working at the small agency, the reason it's so good is because you have to wear so many hats. You know, if you're an agency that's sort of ten, twenty people, you simply can't have a specialised person in every role. You just can't. You just can't do it. It's a commercial decision at the end right. of the day. So, but again, this this is what I know now. At the time, I didn't have a clue. I was just enjoying my job, and there were jobs that needed doing, and someone needed to do them there were only you know the thing with 12 of us at the time so you know without th- so there i am as a front-end engineer but i'm also working on projects and these projects have other things that need doing you know organization there are also the business needs to run so we were obviously trying to win other work essentially i had the technical foundational knowledge and at the time it was it was you know it was as good as another engineer's, to be honest, because I was also doing, you know, the company's IT networking and dabbling around with PHP and whatnot. But, you know, typically a technical person would stay in the technical realm. Um, I don't know what it was. I don't know when it was, but I started to be used uh, to going to client meetings as the technical guy. 
you know, clearly because I, I guess I could communicate a little bit better with clients and say some of the other technical people. And I think that the account managers at the time, the salespeople had previously been at those meetings and doing what still goes on today, overselling due to lack of knowledge. So they actually appreciated me coming along. And also I did as well because I was getting a chance to kind of uh, inject some what I would call realism into those pitches and make sure we weren't, you know, overstretching too much. But ultimately I was I was also in the office. These projects were happening. Um, and I remember specifically it was because I was a front end engineer. I was being handy at the time Photoshop templates quite a lot. My, a lot of my job was being past these designs that were in Photoshop and essentially being told to go and create the front end templates for those uh, designs. More often than not, um, at the time, there were a lot of agencies like my one where had transitioned in the past from a print to a digital agency, but there were still remnants of the print world. So you had a lot of P um, PSDs, Photoshop files coming to me that you know weren't in any state to really be cut up in the way that we would think of it today. They were, they you know, they, they weren't even. They they were pretty pictures, right? They were pretty pictures that you could print out to sell something, but they weren't practical. So I suggested to the the, the uh, leadership team of this agency that if you know with just a little bit of training to the designers who were creating these PSDs I really believe we could cut a lot of time off these projects and kind of make everyone's life better including my own they let me do that I went with it and I think it was around about then without realizing it that I started my DPM career before I ever managed a project uh, what I'd done is I had spoken up about how we could organize things a bit better and the, the company had recognized that and put me in a position to start doing that we did it it worked, and I don't know what happened between now and then. It's all a bit of a blur. That's about 15 years ago now. <laughs> yeah, that um, totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when I wrote my last line of code. There was a point when I was project managing projects in its entirety, including doing the coding as well. Um, I don't I don't know. Over the next sort of year, two years at that agency, I essentially moved from a hands-on full-time front-end engineer to not not coding at all purely managing projects managing clients being a part of pitches you know you, you name it i mean you know even even being qa you know when you're in this company that small you don't you rarely have dedicated qa i know that today developers sort of pride themselves on testing code but back then that wasn't the case i was responsible for these things going out the door so i was essentially the qa people right. would finish their work I'd test it you know so the point was that i had an awful an awful lot of uh, experience in an awful lot of different areas. You know, I was talking to clients from blue chip companies, clients from uh, small companies, uh, startups. You know, um, I was I was into trying to help run the agency internally. I was probably line managing at that point some engineers. Um, you know, doing all sorts. Yeah, I think you're bringing up some yeah. really interesting points because I think you know you're saying there's a wide range of skills that can help you as a as a project manager or digital project yeah. manager oh, you're not bashful you're able to communicate um, you've taken you're you're willing to take on more in your role so doing more than just managing a schedule and when, budget when, when i was younger <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so, <energy. laughs> yeah. so as you've progressed, uh, progressed in your career i'm curious yeah. what qualities do you see in really successful project managers because i think you've pointed a couple of those things out already interestingly in yourself but sure. you know, i'm sure you've seen in others um I mean, I, I don't put these in sort of any order of priority, I guess, because I mean, I was kind of doing a bit of prep for this uh, podcast and I made a list which I'll go through, but the truth is I, I felt like I could have kept going. So I'll just read what I've got. Okay. Um, so I, I think um, obviously being organized, in fact, I've written down here hyper-organized. This isn't, uh, you know, I've seen project managers, I've seen account managers, but let's, you know, project managers specifically, I've seen many 
quite honestly, uh, fail really badly. Uh, and it, it, it was mostly to do with the fact they couldn't deal with the amount of parallel things you have to be doing practically, but also thinking about and planning. When I first moved into managing projects from being an engineer, one of the first things that went wrong for me was the amount of stuff that I had to deal with. It was just a nightmare. So uh, being hyper-organized, you know, it, it, it helps. It helps a lot. Um, being personable as well. There's an awful lot of project managers out there that I've seen who have got so many great skills, but they, they're kind of cold, mm-hmm. or they, you know, whether they mean to be or not, whether they know about it or not. But I find that the more personable, you, you know, being a project manager is about being a leader without any authority. That's kind of what I've always felt. It's like, Absolutely. how do you, how do you get the respect and the, how do you motivate people? And you know, how, how do you do all the things that a, a normal person with authority does without it? It's really being, it's really, I mean, I'm sure there's many ways to solve that. My personal approach is that you, you have to just be able to get on with people, you know, mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and coming with that as well is being a, a good communicator. Um, you know, and not just a good communicator to one audience, but, but to many, to many different audiences. Uh, I've seen people who are good, sort of, in, say, in a bigger company, an internal project manager of technical projects, and, and they're great at it. But the minute they have to talk to, say, external clients or CEOs or someone, that they're not able to change their, their the way they communicate in the tone or the words or whatever it is they use, and they, they kind of fall down there. So I think being able to communicate to many audiences is really important. Um, Relating to being organized, of course, being up to multi-level to an extreme level. Um, as you say, I've done many jobs in my career, uh, including uh, what I'm doing now, which is uh, engineering management. And I'm, and you know, I know that things may change, but to this day, there is no job more intense uh, and that requires more multitasking than, than uh, digital project management. And I guess to an extent, product owners uh, in, in another world today. Um, another key thing for me is being resourceful um, and staying calm under pressure so by that being resourceful I mean you have to be you have to be willing to, to find a way to solve a problem even if even if it seems like there aren't many ways where it can't be done you know as the as the person leading the efforts to provide a solution uh, there'll always be roadblocks there'll always be problems you have to you have to be the one not necessarily to do it all but you need to be either leading it or getting others to, to learn to be resourceful but you have to find a way to solve it um, and staying calm under pressure. But as I say, as, I mean, what comes with the extreme levels of multitasking is is an awful lot of pressure. So anyone that's kind of weak in the area is, is probably not going to be the career for them, if yeah, I'm honest. Yeah, absolutely. I think, too, a lot um, of these things that you're mentioning are mm-hmm. not necessarily things like qualities that you step right into your career with, right? Maybe, no, maybe, maybe being organized. Well, you might have some raw, raw talent in those areas, you know? Like, right. Yeah, I, I tend to think like you can teach most people how to create a plan and how to manage a budget, how to create a workload plan. But when it comes to having difficult conversations, staying calm yeah. under pressure, being a good communicator, I feel like it sometimes takes a little bit of experience. Would you agree with that? 100%. I think it takes experience. I think it takes working in other areas as well. Yeah. I think it takes, I know this is a bit of a cliche, but I do think it takes making mistakes and failing. You know? Absolutely. A, a lot that I've learned on the, is not through being smart. It's through being a bit, a bit rubbish at my job. You know, I, I've kind of messed up a few times here and there. And sometimes you learn the lesson straight away. Sometimes it takes, sometimes it takes years. Right. Sometimes you sort of, 
Uh, I, I think you'd look back and you go, oh, I could have handled all those situations a little bit better. Um, I've often talked about introverts and extroverts. I won't go on about it here, but that's something that if I could go back over my career, I think I would have a very different relationship with some people that I, I had challenged in relationship with because just didn't understand certain things back then. Yeah. Um, yeah, not I mean, I mean, not afraid to have difficult conversations is, is incredibly important one. I think it's one of the ones that is often missed as well. I think that people, th- people's, you know, people's idea of a difficult conversation or what that manifests like is is not always the same amongst people. So you'd probably get, you know, just to use example numbers out of a hundred people, you'd probably get, you know, ninety project managers saying that's an important thing to be able to do but then how they would handle those difficult conversations i think you'd get a lot more of a split and i think that people think just by talking about a difficult thing means that they're ticking that box but it isn't i totally agree and it's it's like how you how you handle the people too right like how you exactly like how you talk about it when you talk about it how you interact with the people how you prepare for it i think we all definitely do that differently I, th- I think um, you know you're you're talking a lot about um, kind of like how people can grow into their careers, and I'm curious. Can you talk a little bit about how you yourself grew as a PM? Like, what were the things that helped you to carve out your career path into other areas? Um, you know, thinking about the steps that you took out of project management sure. into actually people management. I think. Um, I, I mean, I've kind of alluded to the very first. Sort of, part of my career where I felt like it enabled me to, to to progress at a faster rate in any in any path and that was to do with the multitasking so uh, you know as I say when I went from an engineer to a project manager I think within I mean it was it was a short time it must have been within literally two to three weeks of, of being a full-on project manager I almost I wouldn't say burnt out but I lost control completely lost control of emails and it, my world had changed I'd gone from working on one or two projects at a time to having 13 14 and 50 people that needed to speak to me and all sorts of all sorts of complications so um the first thing that helped me and i, I use it to this day and i don't know how i'd survive without it is i used a thing called a gtd i think a lot of people have heard of it it's called it's, it stands for getting things done and it's a, a productivity methodology created by someone called dave dave allen uh essentially it's a way of, of processing your inbox and creating to-do lists i won't go into too much of it here but it was it was something that the minute i got I got on top of that i suddenly could think clearly and that is that that i think when you move into any uh, senior role uh, you're going to have to deal with a lot of things. I, I actually believe a big part of the the higher salaries that you get is 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 the paying for your ability to handle more work than say someone who hasn't got the experience. So that was that's a huge thing that 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 I've done and that I learned the hard way. But it's enabled me to move in any direction in my career. Uh, as I said earlier, everything I've learned is through mistakes. Um, but I think the main thing for me personally was that it was it was getting lucky working for a small agency, having the uh, essentially that between college experience and that agency, I picked up the foundational level of knowledge in you know the entire life cycle of a digital project, right from right from sales right through to you know uh, ticking off a website and thank you very much we're done now. Everything in between, technical, business, yep. the money. So for me personally, it was it was really about getting exposure to all of those areas. And at the time, for me personally, the the, the technical knowledge that I had was quite rare. It was quite rare to have someone who was in a project manager role who also 
knew what they were talking about technically and to a to, to a degree creatively back then as well i mean as as you remember the web and web projects were an awful lot simpler back then <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, uh, we're talking we're talking pre-responsive design here pre-smartphone mm-hmm. <laughs> so um it was it was really about the exposure to different areas that that enabled me to to go in in any direction in my career and i i should say though i never this isn't a plan i even now i don't know what my plan is for the next five years i'm just kind of going where it takes me the reason i gravitated towards people management um i think it was just it just it was just something that i didn't realize was a skill and uh, until the last few years actually uh it was something that i i didn't realize other people you know either detested to do or would like to be good at it but just didn't couldn't do it weren't good at it a bit like me in back-end engineering it -hmm. just i didn't seem to have the right chip in my brain for that and i just think some people don't quite have that for people whereas i i actually really enjoy it yeah so that's kind of how I've ended up where I am. I guess, you, I've, I've, you know, for lack of a plan, I've ended up doing, I think I've ended up in a role that does leverage a lot of the things that I'm just, I actually enjoy doing. I and mean, I think when you enjoy something, you tend to excel at it. I agree. And it's funny because earlier you've, you said that you're, you're a little bit lucky. And I know that I've told you this before. It's, it's sure. not that you're lucky. It's that you're, you've basically gotten to a point in your career where you've recognized what you're good at, what you're not good at and where you can excel. And you've found that path. And I I wonder if maybe you have any advice um, for people who are in a PM role looking to kind of build that strong career path, um, whether they're going to move out of PM or stay into a PM kind of role. Like what are the things that those people should be doing or thinking about? I mean, the first thing to say on that above anything else is that I got into project management by accident, as did most people, but it was a very, very fortunate accident for me because what I've learned since getting out of it is that the skills that I learned in that particular role are super transferable. Uh, I've I've had a taste of many, many roles in this space, and I'm not sure there's one that is where you have such transferable skills. So anybody that's listening now in a project management role and thinking they they have to stay in project management because that's kind of their core, all I will say is that's not true. So that's the first thing to say is that you're already already you're, you're you're doing things for your future career, whatever that may be. It doesn't matter. The, the skills are transferable. So um, other tips that I would say for building a strong career path, I think, in any area is just it's just don't don't get too complacent in, in the role you're doing now and the knowledge you need to do that role. And it's something that's easy to say and nobody listening is going to disagree with that. But it's it's a, it's surprising how often you see people get complacent without realizing it. What I mean by that is you get comfortable. You get comfortable with a company with the people there with the with the salary that affords you the life you enjoy and suddenly with if you don't focus on continuous learning um you're, you're really gonna start to um become well not as knowledgeable quite quickly and and more and more quickly as time goes on i'm not saying you've got to be reading all the you know every minute of every day but some people get into a job they like it they're at a senior level and they just stop and then they don't realize they're actually harming their career there so be careful of that one like i said you know, you don't have to be reading all of the time, but you do need to be reading and learning. It's as simple as that. The diff- a, lot, a lot of the times, the difference between people that have, have got continually progressing careers is the fact of what they're willing to do outside of work, which isn't always possible. It's a bit of a, a luxury, really, in some cases. But there's, you know, people read on the train. People, people that progress and really enjoy learning find a way. Okay. So I think you need to really focus on staying up to date. Um the reason that the PM role for me, and I don't think this is the same for everybody, was such a good basis for a, for a strong career in the future in any in any space really, was because that 
because of the small agency environment, I got exposed to an awful lot of different areas of a business, of running a business, you know, right from the ones that, that were relevant to my job at the time, the technical creation, uh, but also down to things like, you know, cash flow and, and business things that, that, that transcend across all businesses. So um, I think it's, it's it, when you're busy, when you're managing projects, try to get involved in other areas of the project or the business that you're in even if you're busy because that time is going to be valuable and what you're going to be doing there is you're going to be spending time talking to senior people who have a completely different worldview than you different experience but you get to understand what they're like you get to see what it's like to be someone in finance you know so it's all very easy to you know point fingers at different areas of a business when you're struggling but you need to be able to understand what what you know why the people are resisting whatever change you're trying to make or why they're being the way they are often it's a completely reasonable standpoint you just you're just not aware of it uh, and i think the, the final thing is just to you know we talk about empathy in project management an awful lot and i think that it's you know it's such an important thing that that to build if you build empathy if you build the ability to to empathize with with anybody no matter what you are set up to be a leader in in any business of any um, space in my opinion because you know it's it, when I was younger and it's really come with other younger folk you, you kind of become quite uh, tribal in your thinking your belief you know it, there's the, when I first joined HCs there was now there was um, flash versus CSS at the time there was Mac versus PC and there's always a there's always something there's agile waterfall you name it there's always a, a thing um, I find that the most successful, not, not only project managers, but the people that end up just, just being successful in general, in whichever way they turn, it's not because of any particular skills I have in that role. It's more fundamental than that. It's more foundational. It's more about what they, how they've grown as a person. Absolutely. And I think, um, especially in these um, these modern times, with with, with an awful lot of. Uh, uh, what's the word extremes on either side and it's exa- exacerbated by social media i think the best place you can be is to just not be tribal just try and see everyone's point of view try and understand it and just remain looking like someone looking for solutions rather than a battle yeah, i think absolutely you know you don't it's not about being right it's about getting the solution together and that sounds very disney but People that know me know that I'm not Disney. I've said it before. You have to be Switzerland for your PM, right? Like yeah, you can't yeah, have oh, opinions. Okay, You're yeah, managing perfect, people. You perfect. have to be right in the middle and stay in the middle. So you sure. said something really interesting in the beginning of, of the response to that question, which was that the the skills that you've learned um, or that you you've excelled at have been transferable. So mm-hmm. now that you're a manager and you're responsible yeah. for a large team of developers. What would you say are the aspects of your PM career that are helping you in that current role? Well, everything. That's the, you know, to be honest, absolutely everything. Um, I can't think of a single thing that I learned as a PM in terms of a, a skill or a new value that I don't use on a regular basis. And it surprises me to this day. So when I first moved out of project management into this more line management sort of role, I, I did assume that a lot of what I'd learned wouldn't be used. But contrary to that, it's been completely the opposite. Um, so for I mean, I can give you, I mean, it, ultimately, line managing people is about uh, coordinating and it's about you know, being able to understand people. To be a good project manager, those two things you have to be 
excellent at as well. If mm-hmm. you're not, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. So I'll give you an example. So at the moment, um, well, recently at my current role, we had to kind of redesign how we're going to recruit a lot of engineers. So we didn't really have a, a a solid process. It was a bit kind of one one person did it this way, another person did it that way. We it worked. People came in, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't right. It wasn't very efficient. And it wasn't scalable. More to the point, it was very reliant on individuals. So, um, I set about redesigning this this process of recruiting engineers. Now, you know, in, on paper, you look at me saying that, and that's the job I've got to do. And you're not quite sure how project management's going to fit into that. But when you get down to the nuts and bolts of what it takes to do that, well, suddenly I need to first of all think about everyone that needs to be involved. I need to get these people together, form a bit of a team. I need to understand the requirements. I need to uh, also work into a deadline of some description because there are other people waiting for this. You know, this this particular thing was so we could actually then go on a, a, a sort of a, a larger hiring spree. Um, there were so many parts of it. You know, I had to understand everyone's different priorities. Obviously, the HR people were going to have different priorities to my boss, mm-hmm. um, the head of software engineering. Had to understand the engineers. Had to understand that also as part of that, that I needed to perhaps use this as a, as a way to develop uh, lesser experienced people, engineers on the team that may be going in this path or want to have the same recruitment. Every, that, again, it was multitasking, you know, because I'm doing this on top of my day job. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a, basically about leading a piece of work um, so that everyone felt like they had an had an input, and that everyone likes the solution, and more to the point, we can test that solution and see if it's good. Yeah. So what that you're was, saying that, is that, that to me is a project. Absolutely, and I think uh, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but I think what you're saying okay. is that really good PMs are well-rounded because they have exposure to all parts of a business, and you get Absolutely. the opportunity to not only learn about all of those different parts of the business, but interject and work on those yeah. parts of the business. And if you're and, so inclined, like be a part of them and long-term maybe grow into roles there. Definitely. I mean, I'm finding, I mean, so I'm at a company now that's the biggest I've ever been at. So the biggest, so Marks and Spencer, I think, and I might be wrong here, you know, it's tens of thousands of, of, employees at the very least i think it might be 80 uh that you know the, the previous company the biggest one i was at was sort of 250 people so you know my the skills of, of coordinating in, a, in an environment that an enterprise environment is a lot harder than in a 250 person company because in most cases they're either sitting next to you or you, you know them very well and in a big corporate company you, you know you, you are literally taking people from all different backgrounds people that have been at the company for 30 years one year all backgrounds, all you know, you name it, and you have to somehow bring those people all together to get them to to work on something with you, put their best efforts in, uh, and solve a problem. And more importantly, I think this is a really key one. To, you know, project managers. One thing I've noticed whenever I come across project managers um, doing other roles in, say, Marks and Spencer, but they used to be project managers. The one thing they seem to share that does often differentiate them against other peers doing the same job is the they have a much more sense of urgency and delivery. Uh, they want to yeah. complete the job. So the, the recruitment initiative that I just talked about, you know, it, it could feasibly have gone on and still be going now. And it, I'm not even saying it would be that it would, it would be bad work. You know, we'd obviously be putting a lot of effort in. But there was, I think I see a lot of people who haven't had that experience. They, they, they don't, often have a sense of I'm this has to be delivered and that's that's either because that's not in their mindset sometimes because they've never even been close to the money right so when you're in a big company you don't really have a commercial you haven't had much commercial exposure it, it's very easy to fall into the, the the feeling that we can just get on with this and do it the right way in our own time but I don't care how how big your company is be it a one person a ten person or an eighty thousand there you know someone's money's on the line 
But it sounds like put a PM in one of those roles and they're going to get things done. They'll get things done. They, you know, absolutely. And if, if it, depending on their other other traits in terms of how well they get on with people, so on and so on, uh, that they'll, they'll they'll just be able to deliver things uh, that aren't necessarily delivering apps or or websites. Right. They're delivery. It's delivery. Delivery is a abstract term in that sense. You know, I delivered a new recruitment process. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what what was on paper, not much. You know, a few notes here and there, and a, and a couple of boards, but that's about it. But what the work that went into it was, in my in my in my belief, a, a pure project management job. Yeah. So let's let's talk for a few minutes about other career paths because there are obviously people listening to this podcast coming from, you know, all different organizations, walks of life, what have you. Um, Because there are a lot, right? Like project management is is everywhere. It's really pervasive. Um, But what do you see as some kind of more maybe obvious career paths that a project manager might take? So I think if we if we stick to the the classic uh, project manager path, I think that that's still relevant, and it's there's still many many companies that that have these. So I'm I'm talking about you know moving from a junior. PM to a, a mid-level, just a PM to a senior PM, then perhaps either a, 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 a project management director or a project director. I mean, they have, the thing is, they have different names. Yes. There's a whole thing about titles in this, especially in the digital project management area that has never really been solved. Um, you know, or, or even something like a, a program manager or working for a PMO. That's kind of your traditional path. But actually, I, I see I see a lot of people get into project management and find it's not for them. Uh, but they don't. But they they liked certain aspects of it because obviously being a project manager, you you know by default, you, depending on the project, you do tend to get exposed to other sides of businesses, be it yours or a client's. So I see a lot of people move into account management because they enjoyed the client interactions and that kind of thing, but didn't so much enjoy the, you know, the the production side. Um, seen a lot of people do that. Uh, it, I think more modern uh, modern thinking. Uh, titles you see a lot of people moving to say delivery manager roles so again it's a it's a it's a title that has many different meanings but in um for instance if i use the sort of uh, government digital service it's called gds in the uk give one of their kind of themes it's like I th- i'm probably get you know lots of uh, abuse for this but I, I kind of think of delivery manager as a scrum master plus plus because you're kind of doing all that team stuff but you're also responsible for things like hiring and uh, helping mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a scrum master. It's not a project manager. You, are, it's it's that's why it's got its own role, its own title, I guess. But it's a bit, it's not more in depth. But a project manager could do that. But that but a project manager might not have, had, you know, might be able to do all the delivery manager role, but had never done recruiting before. So there's the chance to get into it. Yeah, I think um, that's just proof that also the PM role is different everywhere. So the career oh, path oh. is going to be different for every <laughs> yeah, person. Definitely. You know, like we're talking 100%. about digital project management and working with account management in an agency, that career path is far different than, you know, an in-house corporate project manager who is working outside of digital or even outside of marketing. So there are a lot of different places it can go. I think one place where it seems like PMs seem to be really suited is in an operations role or, you know, like a chief operating officer kind of role. I, I, I mean, I, I think I see people that have been around for, for many years. I see a lot of them ending up in that kind of right, head of operations, COO, whatever it, whatever it might be. And I think the reason for that is just, it's just logical at the end of the day. So, you know, it, the, the traits of a good PM, they, they seem to really map well to that, that sort of high level strategic thinking 
but along with caring about the people, the organization and the production and detail side of stuff, you know, it might, it might, and again, this isn't for everybody, but in my experience, your CEO is much more likely to, to be, you know, I, very, very entrepreneurial. And typically, not always, but typically that means that someone is very, very strategic and they're thinking very creative. And actually, it's not that they don't care about the details. Thinking about the details actually bores them. It turns it makes it makes their day not fun. <laughs> it's, right. it's like something that so <laughs> What, what what clever companies do, why the COO role exists, in my opinion, is because you need to balance that. You need someone who's also senior, who's also got a ton of experience at a strategic level, but who's able to 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 balance the, the let's say, the craziness of an entrepreneur. And I think when you get that balance right, that's when you get an incredibly good company. You get it wrong and it, it can lead to problems. But project managers ending up in that in that kind of role, the kind of role where you can talk to senior people, you care about the details, but, you know, at that level, you know how to bring them up with someone who doesn't enjoy them. Right, care about the money. Right. You can well, say to the CEO, don't worry about it. I got it. I got the details. You just focus on the next 10 years, you know? Well, and if you're in that role and you've come up through project management, you have a certain value for project management yes. and you're able to yeah. kind of, you know, explain that value to the employees and hopefully create a culture where project management is respected and needed and people recognize that. Um, there are places yeah. where that doesn't happen, but um, I think that's also a, a time where if you're in that role, you kind of reevaluate and figure out where you need to be. Just knowing that yeah. if you're in a position where PM is not respected, look for some look for something else. If you really like the role and you don't feel respected, there are places out there where PM Absolutely. is valued and there are places where you can grow. Or as, as you know, I think. I did this myself. I wasn't the plan, but I think if you are in a place where PM isn't valued, you could, you know, start doing things outside of work, um, start writing, start speaking, start doing things that, that what I found when I did that is that the people that perhaps didn't value it as much before suddenly started to take note. They yeah. started to realize, mm-hmm. you know, this, this was, this was a, an entire area that, that wasn't valued for many years. And actually, it, it really, it's 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 no different. It's no different to any other role. It's hard. It, it can have its good days, its bad days. It's you know some. It's for some and not others. It it really just depends. But yeah, it is incredibly valuable. I think I think we're doing okay on that. I think it's getting better, but yeah, still lots of work to do. I agree. All right, so you've given us lots of great information. I've got one last question for you. So sure. you know our show is called Time Limit. Um, yep. Kind of nodding to the fact that we all have limited time to do great work, right? And yep. even even time for caring for ourselves, right? Like they got, there's an idea sure. of having a really good work-life balance, and that's something that mm-hmm. Team Gantt really cares about. So how do you continue to think about and groom your career when you're a PM and there doesn't seem to be time for that, right? Like you're always focused on the drama of the day, team members, projects, mm-hmm. deadlines, you know, everything yep. else. So how do you how do you focus on yourself? It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I think um, if I think back to when I first started project managing, I didn't. Uh, there, as you say, there wasn't time. But I think as the, as the years go on, I think there's a few tips and tricks. So one of the things is that within work hours, so I talked I talked on this podcast um, about doing stuff out of work hours. You know, in an ideal world, that wouldn't be needed. Um, and I also appreciate that, in a, you know, in, in everyone, in, not, in some people's world, they, they can't do that, right? Not everyone's in the same situation. I appreciate that. So one of the things that I would say about how to kind of focus on yourself is, in terms of your career, this is, first of all, is when, when you're at work, um, and I, I try and do this now, and it, it's not always easy, I don't always win, but I try and do it still. I try to not avoid 
getting involved in other areas, regardless of how busy I am. So I've kind of alluded to that already. So when I've already got a packed schedule, but then my boss or someone else wants me to ask if I want to get involved in something, nothing to do with engineering. It's to do with a HR thing or a finance thing or whatever it might be, or a hardware thing. I, I try and get involved. So that, that that's like a way of, I'm, I'm going to learn stuff regardless of whatever. So that's one thing I can do. But I think um, that's where I am now. In a small company, it's it's, an awful, it's it's much harder to do that because of time. Um, but you still get those, you still do get chances to, to get exposure to other areas. So that's what I would say there. But the, the truth is, you know, the, the, getting involved in uh, communities outside of work, if you haven't been worked, great. But getting involved in communities outside of work is, you know, just an amazing thing to do. Um, I find that if you can get involved in a, in a community, um, and I don't mean necessarily, you know, everyone has to write articles and books and conferences. It's not for everybody. Not everyone's got the time. But just, just by getting involved, I just mean joining a Slack community and just reading and writing, you know, read, well, reading, reading articles. Well, maybe adding some comments. That that will help you focus on your career. Um, the, I think the, it's true that the more you contribute to a community, the more you're going to get out of it personally and professionally. I think that that's, that's you know, there's lots of evidence of that. And my personal experience is that as well. Um but again, it, it, it's not for everybody. So I think I think the only way you can really do it is to, in terms of a bit more of a broader life plan here, so a bit more about caring for yourself rather than career, I, as you know me very well, you'll know that I don't believe in um, particular skills being important as much as I do values and goals mm-hmm. at a fundamental level. So if we're going to keep it to a project management theme about how to look after yourself when you're so busy, I would say take some time out. Take some time out whenever you can, maybe, you know, half an hour on a Sunday, whenever whenever you can get that time and just think about yourself. Think about what you want to achieve. But I, personally, I would never say what I wanted to achieve in my career. I would say I want to – what I want to achieve in my life. What am I actually – you know, what am I going for? What's this all about being on this planet? Um, make a little list of those things that you think you'd like to, you know, you'd like to do, you know, whether it's owning a house, but it's a bit more abstract than that. Make some things that, and then, then you've got something to aim for. And then you can make sure that every decision you make, be it a big career decision or a small, tiny decision to do with anything, you can always just, just cross check it against that list. It's a bit of an old school requirements list, you know, it's yeah. a statement of work, <laughs> you know, statement of life, call it what you like. But, I find that if you make that list, you don't make it too detailed because life changes, everything changes. It gives you a chance that you can just make sure you're heading towards something because I find that if you lose that focus, you can essentially put your head down, get busy with work, and you cut, you put your head up back up and it's a year later, two years later, in extreme cases, five years later. I think if, you, if you've got that, that things you're heading for, the things you're aiming for, you can always just quickly check either a small, medium, or big decision against that and say, is this, is this going to get me closer or not? I couldn't agree more. I think you're so right. I think with anything in life, just knowing what you want to get out of a situation is so important. And I think as employees, we tend to forget about that because we always feel like we're serving the job that we're in. Uh, But but that company is there to serve you as well. So remembering Mm -hmm. that you have goals outside of work um, that maybe your work goals can help to help you reach, right? Um, absolutely. I, so I think yeah, that's absolutely. that's a really good good piece of advice there. I'm, I'm all about setting goals, personal and, and professional as well. Well, Sam, this has been really great. Hopefully some helpful things and tips and tricks for people to, to grab as they listen through the podcast. Um, we're going to list some of your contact information, places sure. to read, things that you've written and recorded. Uh, but thank you so much for being on Time Limit today. No, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll have you back soon. Okay. Bye. 
Wow, Sam and I could have talked about that topic for hours, and in fact, we have in the past. But I hope you got something really good out of what we discussed, and I hope you can find ways to make time to think about and carve out your own career path. One bit of advice that's helped me in my career was actually given to me by a peer at a conference, and it was really simple but profound to me, especially at the time, and it was follow happiness, because if you love what you do and it makes you happy, you'll find success. So thanks again for listening. We've got some really great interviews coming up on Time Limit. I'm excited about them, so I hope you'll come back and listen to the next episode. But in the meantime, if you're looking for more resources on project management, check out teamgant.com, where we offer free classes, templates, and resources, in addition to our popular and really easy-to-use project planning and management tool. And of course, please don't forget to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and check out our show notes for more information about Sam. Thank you.